Okay, so once again, we're on 2.3 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, if you've got a copy... Sorry, Hannah, there was too much of a You can find a copy online. Get it ready. Come join us, come join us, my friends. <laughs> Okay, let's all turn to 2.3 of our Confession of Faith. Uh, I know we have some newcomers that are, this is going to be a little, like you're kind of jumping right into where, where we are at, but um, maybe later when we get into our group discussion, if one of the members of the team, or group, sorry, who uh, have been with us since the beginning, could quickly, like just a few sentences, sum up what the Confession of Faith is and why we're studying it. I think that would be tremendous um, for the people who are new to us today. So... On the heels of 2.1, where we looked at uh, an incredibly long list of attributes of God, we then looked at 2.2, and we saw, of course, uh, another list of attributes of God, uh, but very much focusing on God um, in 2.2, anyways, like uh, His dominion and providence, and His who, in and of Himself, you know, is not needing of anything, like the infi infiniteness of God, right, or the infinity of God, etc. Uh, we're now on 2.3, where we're going to be talking about the Godhead. So, uh, who has 2.3? If you could read it for us, in either the historic or the modern, it doesn't matter. Uh, please read it for us. Whoever's got it. In the unity of the Godhead, there will be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Ghost, eternally proceeding from the Father and of the Son. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be looking at 2.3 today, so let's pray and we will start. God, we thank you so much for this time to study uh, for, from our confessions. We ask once again uh, just for a great insight and understanding and really healthy dialogue and fruitful conversation that will hopefully yield a better understanding of the Godhead today. We thank you and pray all this in your name. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, so in your groups, again, one person can maybe quickly sum up for the, if you have a newcomer to your table, what the Confession of Faith is, and like briefly, and why we are studying it. Right? So what it is, why we're studying it, and then look at the content of 2.3, and you're gonna have, you're gonna want to, and you're gonna, you should ought to really have your Bible with you uh, to look at the Scripture proofs and to try to understand and comprehend what is told to us in 2.3 about the Godhead, right? The Godhead, the term itself might be unfamiliar to some, so just try to define these things, get a very, very good understanding of what the terminology means and the vocabulary of it, um, and then we'll reconvene to discuss the content. 2.3. So give you a few minutes to do that. Um, go for it. Okay, I think just for um, just for the sake of time, um, you can wrap up some of your thoughts here. It's good to see lots of good discussions going on. Very, very good discussions. Uh, 
Okay, so let us begin. So we obviously, this is the last paragraph of the second chapter, a lot shorter than the first, right? Uh, so we're going to be going into the eternal decrees, which I think is just going to conjure a million questions. So I'm excited for chapter three, but fundamentally chapters one and two are foundational for everything, right? I've been kind of emphasizing this, so make sure you, you know, brush up on chapter one and two uh, before we get into chapter three, because it gets pretty confusing now, or not confusing, but at least a little bit more complex. Uh, so today, our topic is the Godhead, Trinity. Uh, which table would like to maybe begin uh, by sharing some insight or questions or, you know, just offer some thoughts that you've shared in your groups? Um, Who would like to begin? Anybody? Who's got this down? <laughs> or I'll just pick and choose. Well, just starting from the first line, like the word Godhead, so what does Godhead, what did Richard tell you Godhead means? <laughs> I didn't say anything, Mario figured it out. It's just, it's like the main substance of God, main substance of God. The main substance of God, what does that mean? Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Is God substance? <laughs> that was good, that was good. <laughs> So, uh, sorry, so you said the Godhead is the substance of God? Is that what you, is that what you said? The main. the main substance of God? It's okay. just substance. Just substance. Sorry, sorry, main. no. It's just substance, right. And, like, what does that, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Hands together in a slightly <laughs> clenching manner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'd like to actually, um, since we don't want to take too much, since there's the thing is not that big, we don't want to take too much of it, so we want to hand it off to other people. Oh, wisdom. All right. Oh. Wow. This is like, this is incredible. You're playing like one role as one person of the Trinity plays a role in the Godhead. And then you're passing it on to the next next person. If you will. This is incredible. It's almost like an illustration. Okay. On that note, then why don't you choose the next group? Alright. Mikey's group. Wait, is Mikey going to be speaking on behalf of this group again? I just played Richard. I was like, yeah, so basically. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing this with his ear for some reason. <laughs> Why are you touching your ear like that? Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. We have concluded. Well, other people can share too. If Mikey, is, yeah, actually, if Mikey has to like make up stuff. I'm not a lot of Okay, so has got this. So there's an interesting part uh, that stood out to me. After we oh, so are we just skipping over something? Um, so the first sentence says uh, there will be three persons of one substance part of eternity. So I was focusing on the one substance, one, I would assume one power and one eternity. Yes. So that implies that whether you're talking about the Father, Son, or the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter. They have the same substance, the same power, and the same eternity. Yes. Um, Correct. Which is interesting because we talk about the different roles that the community yes. has. So what does it really mean in terms of like 
question, if I'm not mistaken, is Esli noted that one substance, one power, and one eternity is shared by all three persons of the Trinity, but the difference that he sees is the role that each person of the Trinity plays, um, I guess in redemptive history, as well as just in everything, right? So then, uh, when, like, for example, God the Son, right, is filling his role, the second person of the Trinity, um, how are those those one things, the substances and the power and the unity, like how is that like displayed or exemplified? Right? Okay, yeah. Good question. Very good question. Any responses or any thoughts? Or maybe you can think of like an instance in the gospels. Uh, I mean it, I think it's easiest to focus on the second person, right? So, so Jesus Christ. Um, how does he display his like one substance, one power, one eternity? Um, baptism. I've got it. In the baptism of. of the so uh, in the baptism of Jesus. Yes. Okay. How do we see this? Uh, if you read uh, Matthew three sixteen seventeen, okay. you see a, a visual of the Trinity. Okay. Ooh, uh, beautiful. So. Reads uh, in Jesus when he was baptized, went up straight, uh, straight way out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and lo, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, "This is my beloved Son, who I am which was voice of God." Okay, so how does that show us the unity of the Godhead in substance, power, eternity? Let's give Corey a chance and then we'll go to Mikey. Well, like, throughout the gospel, Jesus always Okay, we'll not giving Corey a chance. Corey first, bro. You said Corey first, then Mikey. I heard Mikey first, and then Corey first. This is a very good example of disunity in substance, power, and eternity. Disunity in the community. You're asking. I am asking that? That's what you asked. <laughs> well, your group posed the question, and Corey gave a scripture reference of an example. Well, I don't know, but I would like to know. <laughs> so you don't have an answer. Okay, we're going back to Corey, <laughs> which is where we wanted to begin anyway. Um, so Corey, in that text, Matthew 3, 16, 17, how do we see the unity of the Godhead? Well, first of all, they're all present. And mm -hmm. second of all, um, uh, they were all doing different things, right? Okay. Uh, different roles. But yes. then they were for, like, one purpose. Mm -hmm. in one sense. Mm -hmm. So distinct roles, but uh, of the same, I guess, Godhead, and then uh, same purpose. Same purpose. Okay. Yes. So I think Matthew 3, 16, 17 is a great example of 
the depiction of the unity itself, of the three persons and the Godhead. Um, I'm not certain that that text necessarily shows us the one substance, one power, one unity of the second person of the Son. Right? So I think that's maybe where SD's question was. Yes, and also while we're, we're talking about that, the question is what is a substance? Oh, that was Arya's question that she was going to answer but tossed it to others. <laughs> I think I kind of guess the power and eternity part. Okay. God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit will have the same power because yes. one is both more powerful than the other. Yes. They're just as powerful, they're just as eternal. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand what substance Sure. Why does, why, because we know what the term substance is yeah, like in like any other context, right? So then why is it confusing to you to think of one substance in terms of God? In terms of God, because Jesus was a pretty full human manifestation of Okay. In which case you can say that's the substance. Like, like he's tangible. Yeah. He's physical. God being like invisible. Yes. And cousin with the same guy. Yes. That you can consider that a substance due to the absence of the mm, Good question. That. Good question. And then the Holy Spirit is just another thing. This is a very good question. I think that the word substance is definitely throwing us off, but before Richard lays down the hammer, let's go to Mikey for his... Wait, I actually thought that... Yeah. But it said substance. Yes. It's not talking about physical material I don't think it is either, yeah. because that would be odd. Yeah, right? I think it's talking about, like, they are metaphors of the same clock. They're the same, like, brand, mm -hmm. the same energy, the same... Brands. They're all Samsung. It's all Apple products. One's an iPad, one's an iPhone, one's a MacBook. They're all Apple. They're all connected by iCloud. They share in the one iCloud. Um, Jesse, you had a hand. Their essence. Whoa, where is this term coming from? Wow. That is actually precisely the word you would want to maybe change here, right? Substance and essence, because I think it's more, like when the divines wrote it, I think they understood what it meant. Um, this really stems even like further back to some of the creeds that were written earlier in the church history. And you see like, what is it, the Nicene Creed? Or maybe it may earlier than that, yeah. Where we see the first uh, usage of the term, like the, of the, in regards to the three persons, that they share in the same essence, right? Um, and so you can go to some of those documents. It's quite interesting. Richard, you want to share something? Yeah, so uh, help Mike, yeah, my nine same thought about the choir. Um, so, but in uh, substance, it literally means sub, stow, and Latin. So the thing that stands underneath something, right? So it's like the stuff that something's made out of. Right? So when, God is, when you say God is substance, it's not a physical stuff. It's not totally correct. Yeah, I didn't have a question. So you said cloth, right? You didn't say that, right? Cloth, it was me. Um, so like, that's, the substance is like the stuff that something made out of, and, and God is a pure spiritual. Yeah. And he's not made of you, he's not created, right? Like he's an eternal substance. And the more abstract term is essence. Right? Like the essence is like that which makes the thing of you. What is the essence of humanity? Yes. Reason, or soul, like 
stuff that differentiates you from the dog or the animal. Exactly. So whatever is being of God, whatever that is, they share in that whatever yeah. it is. Right? And so when he declares, I am who I am, that's shared by all three. We cannot conclude it or narrow it down to one specific thing, right? That it's solely love that makes God God, or that it's solely holiness that makes God God. Sorry. The essence of love. Well, it says God is love in Scripture, but it does not necessarily mean that He is love alone. Love certainly does unite them all in their relationship with one another, right? Like the. It defines an aspect of who they are, an attribute, right? Two paragraphs prior, we saw that God is certainly one who is loving, right? He's gracious, he's merciful, and he's loving. But it certainly would not be the totality of the description of God, nor the one only feature of God, right? For to say that God is only love would be problematic. <laughs> Every church has its heretics, it's okay. Um, so, they share in one substance, one power, and one, and one eternity. Yes. So, any confusion about the Godhead at this point? That they share in power, they share in eternity, they share in substance. If you are confused, all you have to do is switch, just flip your pages back to 2.2, and 2.1 those are the things they share in right so if you go to 2.1 you go to 2.2 you can read it all there is one only one living true God who is infinite in being perfection he's most pure spirit invisible all of those things right 2.2 the same thing the independence of God to all of all things right he alone in and of himself is all things glory manifest like he manifests glory he in and of himself is blessedness all these things he is sufficient, right? All sufficient. Um, all of the things we listed in 2.1, 2.2 are the very things that make the God make God God, and those things are the eternal and the or eternity and the power and the substance of God. All three persons of the Godhead share. But, and this is where it gets tricky now, because it would be easy for us, I think, as Christians, to declare uh, the truth of the Trinity or the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, by just simply saying, yeah, all three persons are essentially the same, there's nothing different, everything's the same, so we're good. It's one God, right? However, the Bible is also very clear on the distinction of the persons of the Trinity. And this is where it gets tricky. So there's three different persons, yet they share in the substance and the power and eternity, thus making them one. The Bible's clear, we, tr we only worship one God. So as Christians, we are monotheists, right? We only believe in one God. We don't believe in three gods, right? Father, Son, Spirit. Father, Son, Spirit is one God. It's the Godhead. But, there are three persons. So how do we resolve this is really problematic, right? Can I just add a question to that? So yes. Why don't we call it a Godhead? Why do we call it God? Uh, why don't we say we worship the Godhead? We do. Yeah, I think when we use the term God, that is what we ought, as, as Christians, what we ought to be meaning, right? Um, but when we pray, for example, we can pray to the Father, as Christ, like Jesus taught us to pray. 
Father, hallowed be thy name, right? So we can pray to the Father, right, through the mediator, Christ, for the blessing of the Spirit, or the power of the Spirit, or whatever, right? So we can pray, not interchangeably, but inclusively of all three persons, right? But that, uh, and that should be represented in all aspects of our Christian life and worship and and everything we do, whether it be a prayer, our singing, our, you know, our sermons, like everything that we do should be in recognition and understanding of the distinct three persons, yet the oneness of the Godhead. Right? And that's like, that's a good question because the reason I think we ask that question is because we omit this understanding in the practice of our faith. Right? That in the church, we have never been explicitly maybe taught that when you come to worship on a Sunday afternoon or morning at a Sunday service, that when you sing, that you are singing to the Godhead. That when you are praying, you're praying to the Godhead. When you are, you know, doing anything for God, as we, you know, call Him, right? That all three persons are in mind, like in our minds and our hearts as we lift these things, lift worship to Him, right? We cannot just say, well... You know, I'm going to sing to the Son, and then I'm going to, you know, pray to the Father, and then I'll fellowship with the Spirit, right? Like, that's, we just don't do that, right? All, like, everything is Trinitarian, right? For the Trinitarian believer. That makes sense. And it's actually necessary if we take it even farther. Or farther, sorry. If we take it farther, it's absolutely necessary that our worship is like that because your worship is actually no matter how well you prepare or how well you do just unacceptable to God it's tainted by our sin it's tainted by our selfishness it's tainted by all these things right so you actually need the mediator Christ you need the spirit to sanctify you and you need to seek you need that worship to be lifted to the Father and to be received by him right? so it cannot be absent of that understanding so that's a very good question uh, we have two groups left, so let's go to that group, Teresa's group. What do you got? So I, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought the groups would focus on. I don't know if your conversation is centered around this. But the wording of the confession is very interesting. The Father is of none, neither begotten, nor proceeding. So those two things, begotten and proceeding, are going to be the two things, right? But the Son is eternally begotten of the Father. And the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, 
is eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. So that would indicate that the Father is not begotten nor proceeding from neither the Son or the Spirit. And I, I just would think that would confuse the heck out of everybody, right? Um, did you have any thoughts? Your group? Yeah. Yes. Yes. of the relationship of the Son to the Father and to the Spirit. It is the very nature of the relationship of the Spirit to the Father and the Son in all, the, all aspects, right? And the, and the Father to the Son and the Spirit, right? There is the begotten Son. The second person of the Trinity is eternally begotten to the Father, right? Whereas the Spirit is eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son, right? But does this terminology, like, confuse anyone? should yeah <laughs> for sure it absolutely for sure te like scripture teaches us things but it's very confusing like i remember one time like my old pastor was saying how like the way we look at the relationship between god the father and the son wait is this going to be like heretical no he's saying like the okay. oh okay okay good we, like, i had a well, i don't know about other people but, like, my only like perception or understanding of like yeah. father and son is like biological It is very confusing because to us, when we send someone, there is a moment in which we are not sending someone and then we send it. So when you send a text message, it's like, I haven't sent it yet. So there's a moment in time where sending has not occurred. But then I send the message and the message is now sent, right? So there is a before and after to sending. 
But with God, there is no before or after to sending. It is, he is always eternally sending his son. Right? Like his son is always going to be his son. Like there is an eternalness to that. Right? That we can never fully fathom. And this is really the mystery of the Trinity. A lot of people focus on how, like the triune, right? Like how can be three and one, one and three. Like how, how does that work? How does the dynamic of that work? I think it's a lot more simpler to understand. Right, to take in, oh yeah, it's three persons, one God. I think that's a little bit more uh, easy to grasp our minds around if you like really think about it. But when you get into the complexity of it, how is it that scripture can say that the Son is begotten of the Father eternally and that the Spirit is uh, proceeding from the Father and the Son eternally? How, how could this be? Right? Because we cannot think on those like terms. Right? Because there's always for us... Uh, a time or moment in which the you know, proceeding or sending has not occurred yet. So this is the nature of the relationship between the Father, Son, and Spirit. But to sum everything up, oh sorry, this group. Did your group go? No. Did you guys have anything? I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, we were kind of talking about a little bit about what everybody was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because yeah. we got to every single yeah, sentence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then uh, we weren't too sure about the proceeding, so thanks for clearing that up. Well, I haven't clarified yet, so I'm going to do it. But yes, I'm getting there. I wanted to conclude with that. Yeah. Right. But go ahead. But then we were talking about like distinct roles and then um, the sort of nature of each role. And um, <coughs> how uh, even though uh, there are three distinct persons in one, Mm -hmm. uh, they're all equal. Uh, like, uh, I'm not sure if I'm right on this, but like, uh, mm -hmm. son is uh, the God. God is equal with the Son. Son is equal with Spirit, etc. Like they're all equal. Yes. Like there is not one that's greater than the other. Yes, that is very important. Uh, it's very easy to look at this and read the Father is like ni neither proceeding or sent or sent. So it's easy to think that he is greater than the other two. But it's not the case. The scriptures don't attest to that. Continue, and then Mikey. Sorry, Jet. Oh, yeah. So, like, talking about, like, um, the God of proceeding, frankly, like, I was kind of, I didn't really understand, like, the definition of it. Yep. Still, I don't. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah. Right? Um, but I was just trying to, like, do, like, a little bit of research on it. Yep. And then, I was, cause I was just wondering, like, why does it say, like, not just, like, Jesus is, like, God's son, why does it Yes. The Godhead has always been the Godhead. Exactly. Yes. Right. So Eternally and forever. Yeah. And then it's interesting because then 
this is like off the script a little bit. Yep. Um, hopefully not embarrassing, but okay. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's kind of like the way that I look at like church. Like we're one body, but like we have distinct roles. But we are mm -hmm. one is not greater than the other in one sense. In a sense, we are to mirror in yeah, some mirror sense yeah, in the some sense. unity of uh, the Godhead, yeah. right? That's nothing to do with that, but just reminded me. Right, like, and even more so, we're created in the image of God, and so really, family, the institution of family, is to mirror, uh, in many areas, uh, the nature of the Godhead. Of course, it cannot do it perfectly, yeah. right, but uh, it is to attempt to do that, for sure. So, um, Mikey, did you have something to say before I answer this final question? Yeah, I had a question about what, 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 or sorry, what you said. Yep. About, like, how like, the Father is not greater Yes. Not yes. I think I like agree with that, but like, but in John fourteen, he just literally says the Father is greater than that. Yes. So is he like? Does he say he's greater than I? Because I'm going away, and I'll come to you. If you love me, you'll have the glory. Because I'm going to the Father, the Father is greater than I. Right. And what do you? What in context? What does that text mean? That's your homework for the week. And next week, you're going to answer that question. That was the question. Okay. <laughs> I still agree. That's what I say. Yeah. But I just have a few, like, a few verses to in mind. Yes. So, Jesus is talking about the day and the hour of the second coming. Yes. And he says, that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, okay? Yep. Uh, nor the Son, yep. the Father. Yes. So how and why is there information that Jesus does not know? Okay, when we get there in our confession study, we will answer that. Because we're right on, we're getting there. Good question. But it's a very good question. I just don't have the time to answer that right now because I want to get to this point and then it'll lead us into chapter 3 answer, okay? Uh, Richard, you can add on to this, but begotten and proceeding are the terms you really want to define in this in this uh, paragraph. They're critical, right? If the God and the substance and the power and the eternity was the first part, the second part you really want to understand the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. So let me make clear, the Father, Son, Spirit are all co-equally divine and God. They're God. They are the Godhead. Okay? So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. However, the Father is not the Spirit nor the Son. The Son is neither the Father or the Spirit, and the Spirit is neither the Father or the Son. So they're all distinct persons. Okay? They each play a different role. Who died on the cross for your sins? It's the second person of the Trinity. It would be heretical to say the Holy Spirit died for you on the cross for your sins. Because He did not. The Holy Spirit did not do that. It was the second person of the Trinity who died on the cross for your sins. So you don't thank the Holy Spirit for His work on the cross. You thank Jesus Christ for his work on the cross, right? Who died on your behalf. So that is how it works. But in essence, by thanking the second person, you are thanking the God, right? There is a reciprocation of that. Um, the Father is of none. We just learned this in 2.2, uh, that there is no origin or source to God, that there is no beginning to God, that he has always been. So God, the Father, is of none. He is God the Father. He was neither sent, nor does He proceed from anyone, right? But the nature, that's His role as the Father, as the first person of the Trinity. His role 
is to do the sending of the Son and to and to precede the Spirit. Like the Spirit precedes the Father, right? So He allows that, or he, that's His role, if you will, right? In the in the Godhead, as the first person of the Trinity, the Son, His role, right? As your as the one who died on the cross for his sins, a part of his role as the second person of the Trinity is to have been sent. Like the nature of his relationship with the Father is that he has been sent, right? And he himself later also claims he will be sending the Spirit. So part of his role is to be sent by the Father and to send the Spirit. And then the Spirit's role is to empower us and help us in our sanctification and our walk with God and our understanding of Revelation Scripture. But he himself is one who is proceeding from the Father and the Son. One commentator, or a few commentators, right? And this is kind of debated. I don't know where I lie on this. If you go to Revelation, it talks about like this river of life, if you will. It's metaphorical in some sense. But this river of life uh, flows from the throne of God, right? And so some people talk about how that's an image of how the Spirit is flowing out of the love of the Father and the Son. That there is a proceeding of the Spirit from the first and second person of the Trinity. Now, without getting into the complexity of all this, and we can go into a million questions, that's all you really need to know. That's what Scripture teaches you, right? So, like, did you say, like, the God is like, that's a perfect definition of, like, the Trinity? Because, I mean, because He loves us, the Son of God, the Son, and then because of that, we, if we believe in Him, we shall not pray for having God. Like, that's because the Spirit dwells with us now, because yeah, I mean, John 3.16 is definitely a good example of the, like, of how the gospel unfolds and the roles are fulfilled by the three persons. They're not necessarily explicitly mentioned, um, but I think, like, for example, at Christ's baptism, that is a very good example of seeing the Father, this is my Son, whom I love, sending His Son. You have the dove coming as a representation of the Holy Spirit, resting, right? just anointing this scene, right? And then you have Christ's son really yielding himself in that moment, right? And being baptized. So you have this unity of three persons, um, and you see the Godhead in that moment, right? So the es essence of that is, is, is almost visualized to us through scripture, right? Um, to wrap up, though, um, I just want to make this clear. You will not find in scripture the mention of the Trinity. And this is going to be where, like, anti-Trinitarians will attack you. The Bible never uses the term Trinity. So how could we believe that? Apostle Paul or none of the New Testament writers or even the Old Testament writers ever explicitly write the doctrine of the Trinity in your Bible. How could we possibly conclude these things, right? Um, we have multiple texts and scriptures that reveal to us at least New Testament for sure that they had understanding of the Trinity. In the Old Testament, there's so much evidence of this as well, and we can walk through those things if you have curiosity about them. But just be rest assured that the divines weren't just pulling things out of their butt, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, this this has to, this this is the only way it makes sense. So let's just let's make this thing up, right? Like it's if you really think about it, if you're trying to get millions of people to believe in this faith, like to complicate it by creating the doctrine of the Trinity would be anti, like. Um, it would be, it would, it would just would be not, not helpful for the cause of your, you know, expansion of your faith. It's like, oh yeah, we believe in God, but He's also three in one. That just, no need for that unless it's absolutely true. And I think it stems from uh, what the apostles have taught. So, with that, that was a 
big long one, so I apologize for that. But I'd like to wrap up. I'll pray for us, and then if you have further questions, we can discuss these things um, over talks and fellowship. Thank you, God, for your truth. Thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for um, just understanding of who you are, Father, who is a nun, the, uh, the Son, who is eternally begotten, and the Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. We worship and honor you, O God, uh, your one substance, one power, and one eternity. We thank you, Father, for who you are, and for sending your Son, and for the Holy Spirit's empowerment of us. We thank you for all this Thank you, Max.